Good morning and happy Wednesday, April 26th. I'm Adam Wright. You are once again listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network, and it is good to be with you this morning. Let's, well, you know, let's begin our morning in prayer, as we always do. And a reminder, we continue this week praying our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are halfway through the week. It isn't that wonderful to say, well, I got a lot of stuff to get to this weekend, and we got some fun things going on. Another family birthday celebration. You know, I, I don't think I mentioned this Monday or, or yesterday. I'm the parent of a teenager now, and uh, I mean, we knew it was coming. It, it, it's been 13 years in the making. Um, I don't know. I turned 40 in February. Now I have a teenager in the house. I, I, I'm starting to feel just a little old. Er. Middle-aged. It's hitting me weird, I I have to tell you that. Um, But also, you know, just a lot of family stuff to get to this weekend. So I'm really excited to be halfway through the week. I imagine you are, too. Don't you just love Wednesdays for that reason? It's like, all right, we've we've gotten a lot accomplished. We have more to get accomplished this week. But then soon we get some great family time, some great uh, time with friends and community and loved ones. On the show today, we're going to continue our discussion with Father Jeffrey Kirby about the duties of parents and our responsibilities. Corey Grizzle is also going to be with us talking about uh, families. We're going to talk about date, well, not date night, maybe date night. I don't know. We'll see what Corey has to say about that. And uh, family meetings. You know, I, Oh, I dreaded those as a kid. We're going to have a family meeting. Uh-oh, who did what? You know, that was always the question. Who did what? Uh, for our radio listeners this morning, we're going to have Father Goring uh, talking about his eyes being Opened and Father Rippiger talking about recidivism. Are you a recidivist? Well, if we're talking to, when it comes to sin and spiritualism, unfortunately, yes, I am. But Father Rippiger is going to have some good words for those of us who are those spiritual recidivists. So uh, that's what we are talking about today on the show. Before we go to any of that, you know where we're going next. We're going to go to Mike Roberts for today's weather and our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Cletus. Born in Rome during the first quarter of the first century, he was the third bishop of Rome, succeeding St. Peter and St. Pope Linus. He was a convert brought to the faith by St. Peter. The exact dates of his pontificate are not certain, but it is believed he sat for about 13 years, most likely from the years 79 to 92. St. Cletus is credited with establishing 25 parishes in Rome and ordaining many priests. He was martyred during the persecutions of Domitian and is mentioned in the Roman canon of the Mass. He is buried near St. Linus and St. Peter in Vatican City. St. Pope Cletus Please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Yesterday we started a discussion with Father Jeffrey Kirby about parental duties, one that I was able to sit down and have with him last week. Today we are going to pick up where we left off talking about why, yesterday we talked about why it is the duty of every parent to teach their children what the church teachings on morality, etc. are, and why it all has to start in prayer. So let's pick up now again in our conversation with Father Jeffrey Kirby. I think we can't say it enough, you know, whether it's with your, your children, whether it's within your family, maybe it's something happening in your extended family, at work, in your circle of friends, that there's going to be a hard conversation. You know it's coming up. Well, number one, go make a good confession. Even if it's a devotional confession, go and, and make sure that you are properly disposed to receive grace. And then if at all possible, you know, if it's a weekday, go to morning mass or go to daily mass, whatever time it may be near you, and go and make use of the grace that God is freely offering to strengthen us for this journey. I mean, it, it, I, I laugh because it sounds so simple, and yet we mess it up so many times. You know, what, what is simple becomes incredibly hard. And, and I do want to come back to that in a, in a little bit here, Father, but one of the things that I also worry as a parent sometimes I lose sight of, especially when my kids, uh, in, in the van ride home from school, they start asking questions. Dad, Tell us about this. Dad, can can Catholics do that? Dad, can people do this? Is this possible? Is that, again, I go, well, the church teaches X, Y, and Z. And we get into very clearly, this is what the church teaches. But sometimes we get so fixated on that that we forget the accompaniment that comes with it. That, And by the way, living this teaching can be hard. Calling someone to holiness can be difficult. I think every one of us has a, a family member or a friend or acquaintance who is probably living in some sort of grave sin obstinately, and we grieve, and we want them to to get to heaven. We want them to be free of this, but we have no idea how to start that conversation, and we don't want to trouble the water. Teaching the children that, that by the way, when you stand up for the truth, it's going to be difficult— and loving people is going to be hard, but we have no choice. We must love them. We don't have to love the sin. We do have to love the sinner, and right. we, we need to prepare for that. Amen. Amen. Uh, yes, absolutely. And first of all, I have to say, uh, as you're describing uh, the dynamics between your children and yourself, I'm, I'm just thanking God because you've created an environment where your children feel comfortable, are able to ask you these questions. Uh, they, they know that dad has wisdom. And I think by exercising your vocation as husband and father, you're giving so much security and comfortability to your parents. If we look in general, just at parenting and specifically fatherhood, uh, fathers are made to look like imbeciles. They're idiots. They don't know what they're doing, if, if they're around at all. And I think the moral authority of a father is so essential. And I think just as you describe your children asking questions and you're trying to guide them in the truth and and help them understand that, yes, it's going to be difficult, but this is love. Love is the cross. Love involves and accepts suffering. I think that has to be our task. And, and that is our difference. That's why, you know, we're not social conservatives. We're not philanthropists. We're, we're not ideologues. Uh, we're Christians. So even as we disagree with people, uh, we love them. In fact, we're called to love the ones that disagree with us the most. We're called to love them the most. So if we look at Acts chapter 17, when the apostles are preaching the gospel in Ephesus and the men of Ephesus come and they, they say to the righteous man, Jason, who's providing hospitality to the apostles, they say to Jason, kick those men out of your house so we can beat them up. 
because they have turned our world upside down. And I think that is powerful. That the gospel turns the world upside down and really the world's fallen. So really the gospel turns it right side up. And so we can look at that, that, you know, when we love, we're trying to help people to understand and to see things right side up. We're trying to help them to, to realize that and to come to want within themselves to live right side up. I, I want to say from the beginning, as, as we talk about this, uh, we respect the freedom of all. People can choose the path of sin and misery and self-destruction. Uh, we're, we're not going to force and coerce anyone. What we will do is speak the truth and we will love and we seek to witness that love so that it becomes compelling. Yeah, I'd like to emphasize as well that as Christians, we're the first ones to hold what is right and wrong. And we're the first ones to embrace those who don't live up to what is right or who are pursuing what is wrong. And to a fallen world, that sounds opposite. It sounds like a paradox because they don't understand love. No, love means you agree with me. Love means you do what I want. Love, that's not love. Yeah. Love is I'm going to speak the truth. And I'm going to walk with you. and I'm going to seek to bring out the good in you. That's love. I think of two things here, Father. One is a talk I heard at a men's conference recently, and the speaker was talking about, you know, living in the liturgy versus living in the secular world, referring uh, to the book of Revelation quite often when, when saying living in the liturgy. But he, he was telling the story of a husband who his wife comes home. I, I can't remember if she came home or she woke up in the morning, but there he is in the den. Uh, the computer's on. He was on pornographic websites. There was a, a bottle of whiskey that was pretty much empty that had fallen on the floor. He had fallen on the floor, and, and it was just a miserable situation. And, you know, the, the wife was livid. The wife was upset. She was sad. You know, all, all of the emotions you would expect. But what does she do? Instead of storming out the door, she cradles him into her arms and starts nursing him back into consciousness um, and, and loving him through this and, and by no means saying let me go get you another bottle and let me click the next website for you or any of that but saying i love you so much i refuse to just give up on you and walk away which leads into this second story that you know i, I know several people have been asking questions a, a lot of faithful catholics when they're invited to weddings and one in particular was a, you know a family member who was born and raised catholic who was engaged to her boyfriend, but they were going to get married outside of the church. Her faith wasn't important to her anymore. And the couple struggled with this idea of, can we go? You know, can we go to this wedding? And and they knew by asking that question, the answer was, no, we, we really shouldn't give witness to this because this is outside of the church and this isn't what we're called to. And that's, you know, sad to say, that's a very mild example in the times oh, we're yeah. living in uh, when we talk about marriage. But what they ultimately decided to do was decline the invitation, but they penned a beautiful letter saying, you know, it's not that we don't love you, but this is why. And because we care about you and because we care about your soul and because we want what's best for you, we highly encourage you to, to have a regular marriage. And even if, you know, it, it, you're reading this after the date of the ceremony in the park or wherever it may be, go see your parish priest. There are things that can be done. We're not telling you to split up or anything like that. But because we love you, we owe it to you to share in love to say this is why. Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you, Adam, like, that can be very difficult because it can be difficult because so, so oftentimes we have an emotional response to a situation. 
So if we're not careful, we can fall into self-pity or anger or bitterness or entitlement. Oftentimes, then we react out of these emotions or these feelings or the situation we find our own soul in, rather than kind of realizing where we are, ordering it by grace, dying to ourselves, and then seeking to serve the other in a selfless way, selfless way, so that then the good in them can flourish. And this is, of course, immensely difficult because we ourselves are fallen and wounded. So, you know, when we talk about this, I, I want people to realize that you know, neither of us, Adam, myself, and to those who are listening, thinks that this is a walk in the park and this is something that's just, oh yeah, sure, just do this. And no, but the task of love, I mean, when we say that love involves suffering and, and that love is the, the way of the cross, uh, we mean that with, with with all that goes along with that, the death to self, the anxiety, the frustration, the, the wrestle with, with our own emotions and so on. As I have to highlight that, you know, the model for us as Christians in terms of love is, is the cross of our Lord, that he died that we might live. He died so that the good within us might flourish even into eternal life. As we continue the conversation tomorrow, Father Kirby and I will continue to go into this idea of love and vow suffering. And I have to tell you, for those parents listening right now, maybe you just dropped the kids off at school. It is hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for other parents sometimes to be that witness, that beacon of truth, especially when there's so many false beacons out there. But we have to do it. And we have to do it in love. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Corey Grizzle for another marriage story time with Corey. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Prayer for Charity. Oh, my Jesus, thou art very true love. Enkindled in my heart the divine fire which consumes the saints and transforms them into you. O Lord our God, we offer thee our hearts, united in the strongness and most sincere love of brotherhood. We pray that Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament may be the daily food of our souls and bodies, that Jesus may be established as the center of our affections, even as he was for Mary and Joseph. Finally, O Lord, may sin never disturb our union on earth, and may we be eternally united in heaven with thee and Mary and Joseph and with all the saints. Amen. We've been enjoying story time with Corey Grizzle over the past few weeks, and we continue yet again today. Corey, it's good to see you. Thank you. Yeah, I love being able to just tell my stories of my life because I know that someone out there is going to be able to identify with that and go, that's exactly what I'm feeling. You know what? One of my favorite singer-songwriters, Matthew West, has a whole album about the story of your life. Not your life in particular, no, but all of our hopefully. lives. And when, Although that'd be really cool. Anyway, today we are talking about uh, the family meeting. You know, that part that everyone loves. When mom and dad say to the kids, have a seat in the kitchen, we're going to have a family meeting. Oh, no. I hated those times right. as kids. And yet, now as a parent, I'm like, oh, we're having a family meeting right now. But one thing I've learned, Corey, is that the worst thing I can do is be in the middle of the decision-making process with my wife about things that affect our children in front of the children. Because then they start lobbying better than anyone in Washington or in the state capitol. It's, I mean, it's, it's a sight to behold. Right, right. So the, you absolutely don't want to start discussing these things and, and throwing these ideas out in front of the children because, oh, yeah, they have they have plenty of opinions. And when I have 10 children, they all have opinions, even the baby. You know, I, I'll, I'll say something and, and they'll all raise their hands about something and, and, and the baby's the one that shoots his hand up first and goes, me, I want to do that. And they all laugh, of course. But 
<clears throat> but the family uh, meeting was something that came about when uh, my sister had this idea and she they would go to mass on Sunday and then they would have their donuts and they would sit around and they would hash out the allowances and they would do all the things and so I thought that is a great idea we're gonna we're gonna sit down and have family meetings and and um, we use our, our communication tools with the kids and we say okay we're all gonna say something nice about each other and we're all gonna just anything new that you just want to tell a story about and usually the little kids all want to tell a story right and then um, and then we talk about okay so what is something that is really irritating you right now and sometimes things like you know the bathroom never gets clean that's never my stuff there I never do the you know somebody else's um, uh, you know knocking on my door not knocking on my door is actually what what really happens they're not knocking on the door and they're just barging in and so the little things you know that that we just kind of bring up and then we discuss it okay so what's the virtue behind that you know that we need to make sure that we are polite and that we are respectful and that um, you, you clean up after yourself because you made that mess let's let's pay attention to the people around you because you don't live here in a vacuum all by yourself so we kind of talk about those things, and um, we try to do it on a Sunday night when either we're play, praying a family rosary or just getting together to pray and, um, and start out that way, of course. But, but really, it's all about getting the family together and making sure that they are also a part of the decision-making process. Um, of course, Todd and I get together first, and we have these ideas, and we have these goals, and we say, okay, this is how it's going to be, and now here's your part of the decision-making process. I'm chuckling to myself because over on my desk I have a copy of Robert's Rules of Order left ah. over from my days as chairman of a nonprofit. That and would work. So one thing I learned from Robert's Rules of Order, you can be the person running the meeting and have a lot of control over what decisions are yes. made without even saying a word advocating for one policy or another, but, but just by saying this is what the conversation will be. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I love that idea that it's about – familial ownership of the decisions. It's not just you and Todd issuing edicts from on high. Although sometimes as parents, it's the reality. You're going to have to do that, and there's no way around it, and we shouldn't be afraid to do that when that time comes. But another matter is saying, all right, let's make this decision as a family. I've been hearing of so many families lately letting their kids decide, okay, this much we're giving to the parish, this much we're giving here, but we have this much left to give. Where are we going to tithe? Where are we going to put our charitable dollars and letting the children be part of that decision? I imagine that you and Todd were immensely successful at this from family meeting number one, right? Oh, right. Uh, sure. Actually, so <laughs> no, knowing that we're fitting no, here. we are practicing. What are some of the pitfalls that you, we can learn from the Grizzles, from what you and Todd learned? Like, what, what do we need to know? How do we make this work? So... The best advice I could give is to look big picture and to sit down together um, and pray about all of these things. The biggest thing is to um, to be able to identify what are our family goals? What is it that we want to have in our household? We, of course, want to look for peace and we want to look for justice and we want to look for respect and just those values and to look at those values and those virtues and to be able to say, OK, well, how do we actually get that into our crazy home of loud little people everywhere that leave messes all over the place and that make us so angry that there's just nothing we want to do more than just stomp our feet and scream at them. And so clearly that doesn't really, we can read all the books, that doesn't work. We know that, but that's what's in our bodies, that that's the only thing we can do. It's, it's the only thing we can control. So 
really when you can step back and you can talk to each other as a couple behind closed doors at a restaurant on your date night, whatever, then you can sit there and go, okay, how can we make this a reality when the fact that, you know, my husband is gone from eight o'clock in the morning until five o'clock at night, or, you know, in the case of my son where he's gone three days in a row on, you know, on his shifts. So, you know, how do you make that a reality in your family and what are the goals that you want to set? So, We have our family date nights are not date nights, really. We've decided that we couldn't do date nights because we um, have too many children going too many places. So we actually go on Saturday mornings because we figured the children wake up. They know what to do. They know where the cereal is. They know where the, the cartoons are. They know what they can do. The little kids can get up and they can, you know, fend for themselves. And the big kids wake up and go, okay, you can't do that. Like <laughs> They take care of the little kids. So we said that's a little bit safer than trying to get them to bed. So we actually go on Saturday mornings, which is kind of out of the box. I like it. I think we're going to have to implement that in the uh, right yeah. house because – as you know, or as you just said, the kids, they know where the cereal is. They know where the milk is. They have quite uh, easily figured out how to turn on a cartoon or read a book or do a puzzle or things like that when dad in a fit locks the internet out of the house. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is all good stuff. And I think we've all gotten something we can put into place in our lives. Corey, thank you so much for being with us again this morning. I look forward to our next story time together. Thank you. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. We are halfway through our week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, talking about our new friend, Blessed Solanus Casey, the porter at the St. Bonaventure Monastery, and a simple priest, but a profound example for us. So, Patty, what are we going to learn today? Well, we've talked about his life uh, growing up kind of in the the mid part of the country in Wisconsin and being one of 16 kids and then entering the the St. Bonaventure Monastery. Uh, Not that smart of a man. He couldn't even uh, preach on morals and doctrine, nor could he hear confessions. I'm just kind of recapping what we've learned about him so far. But today I want to talk about his possessions. Possessions. When Blessed Solanus Casey died at the age of 86... All he left behind was a plain black suit, a frayed brown habit, a worn pair of sandals, a few dog-eared prayer books, a faded photograph of his parents, his rosary, and a violin. That was it. Yet over 20,000 people came to his funeral mass. As a simple priest, he spent his lifetime in work and sacrifice for the poor, founding a soup kitchen, and doing the most humble tasks. He produced no works of art, no famous speeches, no books of wisdom. But hundreds of thousand people claim that he personally changed their lives. Isn't that beautiful? Hundreds of thousands of people claim that he personally changed their life. And yet he had so few possessions. 
Could we be like Solanus Casey, where maybe we don't have that much at the end of our life, we're going to be stripped of it all. But wouldn't it be beautiful if thousands of people said that we actually changed their lives? Let's pray to Solanus Casey for his intercession that we can be simple yet holy and help people change their lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a great reminder for us, as Mother Angelica used to say, you have to be holy wherever you are. And don't discount, friends, as Patty just reminded us, the difference you can make by being that holiness, even as a simple porter with few possessions. Well, that wraps up everything on the show today. I want to invite you to tune in tomorrow. A special surprise for you. We will be talking about Eucharistic revival on the show tomorrow, so you won't want to miss it. Um, And I got a little spoiler for you. Revival starts where? It starts in our own hearts. My heart, your heart. That's where Eucharistic revival starts for each one of us. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'll be back with you tomorrow. In the meantime, have a great day today. It's Wednesday. We're half the way through the week. It's sun sh- The sun is shining. The temperatures are going to be nice. Let's make the most of it today. You know, yesterday I was going to lunch and I was going to drive somewhere. I ended up walking to get my lunch and it was the best walk I could have asked for. And it was just a few minutes. And I thank God for that opportunity. So look for those opportunities today. And Maybe thank God for the sunshine or the temperatures or some way he's blessing you today. In the meantime, you've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for being with us. And as the Blessed Mother would remind us to do, pray your rosary today. She wants you to pray it each and every day. And that means today, too. So pray your rosary today.